Hello and welcome to another MyTunes podcast right here at manxradio.com. Mark Tiley, the nation's station, Manx Radio. This week on MyTunes, I'm delighted to be in the presence of Sir Miles Walker, CBE, who has got an awful lot to say about the Isle of Man because he did a lot and still does here and now. So, Miles, thank you for joining us on my tunes. It's a pleasure. It's a real pleasure. Obviously, I should just state, born and bred here and a family that goes back a long way. Yes, my grandmother, my father's family, came over in 1920 when my granny Walker um, inherited Bell Abbey from a relation. My grandmother Walker, who was a McCall before she married, her great-great-great-grandfather was a vicar at Santon. And the vicar in Santon had a sister. And uh, they had a visit from somebody across the water who fell for the sister, took her away to England. And my grandmother was one of the proceeds of that. So so she came home. Connections to that lovely old vicarage up there. Yes, absolutely. Fabulous building. Yes, yes. And Santon Church is quite a special place as well. It certainly is. Um, Out there, and I suppose in the 17, early 1800s, it would have been quite a a lonely place apart from those who worked on the land. Speaking of working on the land, that was uh, your beginnings, living on a farm. Yes, absolutely. I mean, Bell Abbey was developing when I left school into um, a dairy farm and... uh, expanding the milk rounds. My father and his brothers, uh, Walker Brothers Limited, started the dairy at Bell Abbey. And uh, when I left school, my advice from the careers uh, people were, if you want to make anything of your life, young man, you've got to go to England. So I went. I got a job on a farm over there, two farms, then went to Agricultural College. And in 1960, came back to the Isle of Man for a holiday. My dad happened to break some bones in his foot. He couldn't then work. I slotted into his space, and the rest of the say is history. You mentioned that advice uh, to get off the Isle mm. of Man. There was a lot of that sort of attitude about mm. at that time because we weren't where we are now with careers options for young people by any means, were we? No, we, we weren't. I mean, we had a, an agricultural industry which was employing in those days quite a lot of people. We had a tourist industry, which in the summer was busy, 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 and in the winter time, more months in the winter than the summer, of course, absolutely quiet and no no out-of-season visitors. Um, And we had fishing. And uh, a lot of people were employed in the fishing industry, uh, both on land and and at sea. Uh, But that was about it. That was about it. Tomorrow on this spot, I'd like to talk about you becoming our first chief minister because it was a, a remarkable piece of the Manx history, if we look at it as a jigsaw. It's a piece right in the centre of changing things as to how we do business here. But for, for now, I want to stay quite a way back <clears throat> for your first musical choice. Yes, and that choice is uh, an Elvis Presley record. I think one of his first, but I'm not certain what order they came in, but Blue Suede Shoes. And for any particular reason? Well, I went to Gastrochian High School, and Harry Pickard was our music teacher. 
and uh, I didn't have much music ability at all, along with a number of others in the class. And he invited us to bring records in one day to play and then explain why we liked them. And John Nelson, who became one of the Phantoms, was in our form, and he brought this one by Elvis Presley, Blue Suede Shoes. And we spent the rest of that lesson being told what a load of rubbish it was. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> That, that that modern music, modern in those days, um, middle 1950s, I suppose, would never do anything for the world and we should forget about it. And uh, we spent a whole lesson talking about Elvis Presley and others. And oh. uh, it was quite, quite fascinating. The whole rock and roll <clears throat> thing always fascinates me because 50s and 60s, when, mm. when it was all happening... I don't think even uh, a lot of the young people thought it might last that long, that we're still talking about it, and mm. very comfortable in playing Elvis Presley's Blue Suede Shoes in 2023. Wonderful. <laughs> well, it's one for the money, two for the show, three to get ready now, go, cat, go, but don't you step on my blue suede shoes. Well, you can do anything but stay over my blue suede shoes. Well, you can knock me down, step in my face Slander my name all over the place Well, do anything that you want to do But now, uh, honey, lay off them shoes And don't you step on my blue suede shoes Well, you can do anything but take me over my blue suede shoes Let's go, cat! Steal my car, drink my liquor from an old fruit jar. Well, do anything that you wanna do. But uh, uh, honey, lay off of my shoes and don't you step on my blue suede shoes. Well, you can do anything but lay off of my blue suede shoes. Rock it! the money, little for the show, three to get ready now, go, 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 but don't you step on my blue suede shoes, well you can do anything but the hell for my blue suede shoes, well it's blue, blue, blue suede shoes, blue, blue, blue suede shoes, yeah, blue, blue, blue suede shoes, baby, blue, blue, blue suede shoes, well you can do anything but the hell for my blue suede shoes. My guest on my tunes all this week is Sir Miles Walker. Uh, Sir Miles, thank you for coming on my tunes. It's been a while since we've had your dulcet tones uh, choosing music <laughs> on Manx Radio. Although we're always grateful when you give us advice on politics. Oh no, and it's those pol days have gone. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mentioned yesterday our very first Chief Minister on the Isle of Man, but for most people going into politics at the beginning, there's <clears> quite often. Not necessarily a Saul on the road to Damascus moment, but something mm. happens in your life to make you think, actually, this is something I want to get involved in. What was your stimulus? My children. I think we got married in, Mary and I got married in 1966, and Mark was born in 1969, followed by Claire in 1973. Middle 70s. 
coming up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got thinking about what are these two youngsters going to do with the rest of their lives? So they're going to get the same advice as I got, go away, because there's nothing worth in the Isle of Man. Or is it going to be something different? And uh, I was always interested in local politics, never really involved except at Arbury Commissioner sort of level. I did that for a few years. And then Noel Kringle stood for election at a by-election in 1974. And there was he and Eddie Lowey. Noel was successful. He went in 1974. Another by-election in 1975 when Eddie Lowey was elected. And then a general election in 1976. Well, Noel was always a friend of mine. I knew Eddie from school, but he's a little bit older than I. And it was a sort of a, a moment that I thought, here's an opportunity. If I got elected into the House of Keys, there'd be three of us uh, representing Russian, which was a large constituency in those days, all of a similar age. Um, and, and we were all under 40. So I decided to stand, much to my wife's dismay, I think, and surprise. <laughs> But um, I stood for election and everybody rallied round. We had a, a, a wonderful time, really, really enjoyed it. And then the election came on, in November, I think, of 1976. And I went into the House of Keys with Eddie and Noel. And we remained friends from that day right through until recently. I mean, any political environment can be a lonely place. <clears throat> so to have two good men and true yes. with you yes. must have been a huge benefit. It was. It, 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 it was wonderful. And we just felt that there were opportunities to do things. Eddie was a Labour Party man and Noel had his feet in the soil like I did. He was a farmer and auctioneer. And we knew that things had to change. Everybody's reluctant for change, we know that. Oh, yes. And we tried to promote the discussion in our, in our community. And people were saying, oh, stick to agriculture, fishing and tourism and we'll be all right. And we knew that wasn't going to be the case and that we should push for change. It was a very passionate era as well because there were mm. plenty of forces pushing you hard not to do anything yes. from all sides as well. But yeah. you did, and it moved forward. And then it was eight, uh, 1986, mm. you became our first Chief Minister. That's right. I stood again for election in 1981 yep. and became chairman of the local government board. And that was a, um, a fantastic opportunity for really finding out what government was about and lots about the Isle of Man. And then general election in 1986, I stood again and, uh, and was successful and much to my surprise, I heard the sort of buzz roundabout that I was going to be um, forwarded for this position of chief minister. And I found it hard to believe. Anyway, um, it happened and I was unopposed, which is a great platform to start on a job like chief minister with. And uh, I did it for 10 years. I enjoyed it. We'll Almost enjoyed every minute of it. <laughs> Very <laughs> diplomatic. We'll talk a bit, well, we'll talk a lot more mm. about that tomorrow, but let's have your second musical choice, sir. We're this side of the Atlantic now. Yes, and it's uh, again a, an, an oldie um, Cliff Richard, The Shadows. 
and uh, and move it. When I left the island, I worked for a while, and then I went to Agricultural College, and that was in Shropshire. And it was the very late 50s, and 1960, and skiffle groups were the thing then. And the village hall near near the college, there used to be dancers there every Saturday night with local skittle groups and so on. Cliffridge was coming into his own and they all tried to take him off, if you like. Yeah. And I just remember this Move It song and rock and roll and all the wonderful things that happened in those days. And it was great fun. Sir Miles Walker, told us, and it was really lovely to hear that he was unopposed going into mm. 86 to become Chief Minister. And you said, sir, that that really helped to settle in because you mm. didn't have other people saying it should have been me everywhere. Right. They probably were saying that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but as far as I was concerned, it, it was um, a great honour and, and privilege be given that that position and and being the first chief minister I had the great opportunity of choosing my staff and that I don't suppose will ever happen again because if, if you become a minister you go into a department and the staffing is all there and you can make little changes but um, there was no staff at all when I was elected as chief minister I had a, a young man from government office seconded to me and that was Tony Warren from Port Erin and Tony and I worked together for, I guess, four or six months. 
putting into place what the future would be like. And uh, I then had the opportunity of choosing my ministers and I, I chose quite a cross-section of, of, of members, not particularly because they had the same political views as I had, but I wanted representatives from across the island and from across the political spectrum. And I did that, and I think um, it was the right thing to do. It was very challenging at times. There were lots of things to do. We never had a government policy before. We never had a government before. It had a whole series of boards and committees, and um, the strongest personalities in Tinwald on the House of Keys tended to run the place. And so uh, Sir Charles Carouche, who was Speaker then, coordinated um, a lot of what was happening, um, but wasn't elected to do that particular job. And, and that was one of the faults that we tried to put right with the chief minister system. You mentioned that you drew people in from all walks of life and across the political mm. spectrum. Do you think there's a, a danger in that sort of high office that you build an echo chamber if you're not careful. If you, if you don't do that, you end up with people around you, I'm not saying they're yes-men, <clears> but <throat> their views are so similar to yours, you might as well not even have them. I never pretended that I had all the answers. And I, I, I really do believe that an individual, chief minister has responsibility on the island, needs a lot of different political views to enable the correct choices and decisions to be made when faced with problems. I still think that's the case. Are we a bit too narrow at the moment? I wouldn't say too narrow. I don't think that the politicians we have today are very good at new thinking. We've been very successful, this Isle of Man, for the last 20 or 30 years, very successful. And it's very easy to think, oh, we can keep it just like this. And the world's not like that. The world changes and we need changing opinions, we need changing thoughts, ideas, new views. And I don't think we're all that good at bringing out those new views these days. We could talk some more about where we're going to go in the future for this Isle of Man and how it's all shaping up. But we'll do that tomorrow. Let's have a piece of music. And we we mentioned before we sat down here, Dear Bernie, and mm. Uh, mm. The, the, the wonderful relationship that he had with the Bee Gees. So I'm delighted that you're reinvigorating us in the spirit of Bernie Quayle yes. today. <laughs> oh, and that's a great pleasure. I mean, Bernie and I grew to be quite good pals, and I enjoyed his company immensely, and I thought it was a great loss to radio and the Isle of Man um, when his days came to an end. I can remember the Bee Gees very well and, and, and their music, I don't remember them living here, but my wife does. She ah. she was a Peel girl and mm. uh, remembers them at Union Mills, I think, before they left here. When I finished as chief minister, um, Donald Gelling, who took over from me, asked me if I'd gone to Treasury. And I uh, became a member of Treasury, and one of my roles was promotion of the Isle of Man. When we had a global challenge, the yacht in 2000, I was given sort of responsibility for looking after the sponsors who were worldwide. And so Richard Cork, the Treasury Minister, followed um, our yacht, Isle of Man, to North America and South America. I had the great privilege of going to New Zealand. I met her there in Wellington, 
and then I went to Sydney and then I went to South Africa to Cape Town for the end of that leg. And one of the things that we took with us was the Bee Gees singing Ellen Vanin. And we took every opportunity to play this <laughs> this record um, and, and leave them behind us at radio stations and people who were helping us promote the Isle of Man. And so um, Ellen Vanin by the Bee Gees it was quite a special place uh, for Mary and I. Mary came to um, New Zealand with me and to Australia. Um, as always, the wonderful support that she, that, that she is. Um, and we, we had a, a great time. We think it was very beneficial. And uh, I can meet people today um, who say, well, the first we knew about the Isle of Man was when Miles Walker spoke to us or spoke to a meeting in Cape Town and we heard about the Isle of Man and, and so on. So we spread the word. That's an ambassadorial role for you. And it was wonderful. And the Bee Gees. And the Bee Gees. <laughs> and Ellen Vanin. When the summer day is over It's busy cares have I will sing beneath the starlight With a
my childhood days once All week, we are discussing the Isle of Man and the life and times of my guest, Sir Miles Walker, who was our very first Chief Minister on the Isle of Man. I must reflect back on yesterday's tour when you were spreading the word of mm. the Isle of Man with the help of the Bee Gees records, <laughs> dropping them off at various <laughs> far-flung ports. That must have been yeah. such a great experience. It was. We had a lot of heart-searching, soul-searching uh, before... We, and Richard Corker was Treasury Minister, decided to back Global Challenge, the yacht race. We decided it was one way that uh, the Island Man would do something different and, and raise its profile. And so with that in mind, uh, we got as many Isle of Man people as we could to go as crew. We weren't allowed them all because the rules of the race said, said not. Um, we had the only lady skipper in the race and we ended up mid-table somewhere. No disgrace in that. Uh, no, it was just a, a, a fantastic six or eight months. I'm just going to look at this here. Commander of the Order of the British Empire, 1991. <laughs> Honorary doctorate, which until I dug deep, I'd forgotten mm. about that. Mm. Uh, Liverpool University. Yes. Uh, Honorary doctorate. And then your knighthood in 1997. Mm. It was a, it was a yeah. purple patch for you, sir. Yes, it was. And sometimes, even now, it's it's hard to believe that it all happened. I mean, I, I'm a farmer. Um, I was a milkman and, and loved that because it got me out amongst people, real people talking, talking, because the milkman never went out in the middle of the night then. We were eight o'clock in the morning till about midday. Yeah. That was the time. And there was always somebody at home because everybody wasn't working then like they are now. And uh, I really, really enjoyed that part of uh, part of my my career. Yeah, I've just been just been so lucky, and uh, I th I think my period as chief minister was quite a successful one for the Isle of Man, because this place transformed. It needed from to change. Ten percent unemployed yes. in the winter, to what do we have now? Two percent, yes, or less, yes, which is fantastic. I'd like you to look forward with me uh, in this in this final bit, not politically necessarily, but for the Isle of Man as a whole. You mentioned the fact that things had to change, and, and you were a huge part, right at the centre of those changes during your time as our first Chief Minister. What changes do you see now coming? Or where should we be pushing for change as an island? We certainly have to embrace this. I'm going to say new technology. It's not new anymore because you can do anything from almost anywhere in the world. And what we have to decide is what do we want for this island? Obviously, we want to keep it a nice place to live. We need to keep all those government services that we rely on have got to be top notch. And so with the right imagination and with the right exploration of the opportunities, we should be able to do anything from here. I would love this place to become a centre of excellence for healthcare. And I don't see why we shouldn't have all the very top healthcare consultants, specialists living here, 
not necessarily at the operating table, as it were, because you can do that now online, anywhere in the world. And I think there's a great opportunity there to go for the right people. But the bottom line is keeping this as a, a wonderful, lovely place to live because people have wanted to be here. Population-wise, there's quite a lot of talk about increasing the population substantially. What are your mm. thoughts on that? I think it depends who they are who want to come and live here. I mean, the Isle of Man can certainly accommodate more people. I'm not certain that I would have gone with the policy of we need 100,000, let's attract them, and what will they do then? Mm. I think we have to say, what will people do on the Isle of Man? We have to build the economy. We have to attract people to work in that economy. And if those numbers come to 100,000, well, so be it. And I would prefer to tackle the problem that way rather than just pitch a number. So looking at people employed and adding to the economy rather than coming here to retire. Absolutely. Absolutely. We had a large influx of retired people in the 1960s. And I think it was due to those people that encouraged me to come back here to the Isle of Man and work. But when I started electioneering in 1976, there were so many people living on their own. They'd come over 15 years before, two people. One had died. Inflation had caught up. They couldn't afford to go away to see families. And there was quite a lot of very sad people on the island then who, who felt trapped. I wouldn't like to go through that experience again. I don't think the island should. So, Miles, thank you. Thank you for that. I'm moving to the final track because I have never heard this version and I'm looking forward to it, but I'd like you to talk me into it. André Roux is somebody whose orchestra I enjoy listening to. I enjoy watching him. I mean, he's very much a showman. I think we have to have to accept that. But his music, I think, is, is just beautiful. He has lovely singers. We've been to the UK to see him. We went to Liverpool. We've been to Manchester. Went to Maastricht a couple of years ago and saw him at home in the square. In fact, should have been there this year, except that in July, Mary and I got COVID. And that was the time we should have gone, so we had to cancel that. Yeah. So I enjoy the music. I find him inspirational. And his recording of What a Wonderful World, I think, is beautiful. And isn't it a, a wonderful world? I mean, looking out through the studio window with this scattering of snow and the sun shining on Douglas. I mean, it's just beautiful. And this is my world. It's lovely. It's lovely. What a wonderful world and we thank, live in. Thank you for sharing your thoughts with us on it today. Sir Miles Walker, thank you. Thank you very much.
What a wonderful world indeed. My thanks to Sir Miles Walker for being my MyTunes guest all this week on Mark Tiley in the Morning with Shaw. Isle of Man. Keep coming back here to manxradio.com for more podcasts. They're arriving almost hourly here. And I look forward to your company again soon on Mark Tiley in the morning, 9.30 to 12, Monday to Friday.